to the Friday, October 2nd edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, PV. The NBA Finals are well and truly underway, and there's a lot of storylines to talk about this game one and this and this upcoming game two, and there's some other topics to cover in the NBA because, man, this was a crazy week of just news, obviously the game's going on, and there's a lot to talk about, so I'm going to try to keep this in, intro short and sweet so we can get into it. So obviously I have to do my plug-in before that. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other content. If you are watching on YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe. That would be very much appreciated. And if you're on the good old podcast networks, if you're on Apple, leave a five-star review, subscribe. Um, that would really help a lot. If you're on Podbean, remember to give it a listen, download, follow, all that good stuff. And remember, we are also on Spotify and Anchor as well. So, yeah, there's going to be uh, more um, podcast stuff, you know, Monday for sure we're going to do another one to recap two more of the games. And we'll see for next Thursday or Friday if we're going to do one, depending on whether the series is over or not, because that is honestly a real question. So, yeah, that's going to be very interesting. And But right now we're going to be focusing on just today's podcast. So, yeah, that's all the little housekeeping stuff we have to do. Let's get right into the episode. And obviously, we're going to be starting with that game one. The game one in which, oh boy, <laughs> the Lakers take game one quite convincingly in this game as they win 116 to 98 over the Miami Heat. You heard that right, 116 to 98. This was a very good game for the Lakers, led obviously by the two stars, LeBron and AD, combining for 59 points. AD with 39 points, nine, sorry, 34 points, nine rebounds. LeBron with a near triple double, 25, 13, and 9. Caldwell Pope chipped in with 13. Danny Green with 11. And Alex Caruso with 10. For the Miami Heat, um, it was a rough game for them. Lots of injuries. Um, but they still had 23 points from Jay Crowder. I'm uh, sorry, not Jay Crowder. Jimmy Butler. Ked, um, Kendrick Nunn kind of having a bounce that game. Having 18 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. Here with 14 points off the bench. And Crowder with 12. Oh, boy, where do I start with this game? If there's a positive to look for the Heat, they started off really hot. They got up to a 13-point lead, and they felt like they couldn't miss. And the Lakers were in for a tough one, it seemed like. But the Lakers, two two very key threes from Contavious Caldwell-Pope, as referenced after the game by LeBron and AD, saying that those threes were massive into turning the tide for that team. And by the end of the first quarter, after that 13-point lead midway through that first quarter, they were able to get the lead. So that tide really switched quickly, and the Lakers continued to dominance throughout the game. The second quarter was kind of rough for the Miami Heat um, in terms of injuries for Drogic. And then third quarter, Bam had to leave the game. And the, the Lakers just continued to dominate, and they finished this game winning 116-98. And if you watch the game, you could tell it wasn't even supposed to be that close. So it was just a very dominating win for the Lakers. We're going to start with what the Lakers did well, because... One of the biggest things that I took note of in this game is that in that first half, the Lakers scored 11 out of their 15 threes. This is, to put into context how crazy that was, I believe they went 11 for 17. They are on average of shooting um, under the league average. I mean, out of all the teams in the bubble, they were the second worst three-point um, shooting like efficiently like in terms, of, in terms of percentage. They were second last, and they had 11 out of their 17 tying a franchise record in the playoffs for most threes and a half, which is ridiculous. They felt like they couldn't miss. Not only was Contagious Cuddle Pope hitting threes, AD was hitting threes, Rondo was hitting threes. 
it was absolutely crazy. And that's what got him off to that big lead. And you just wouldn't expect that from the Lakers, honestly. What else did they do well? Well, I talked about KTP. Um, LeBron and AD were praising him out um, after the game, saying that he his two threes really did turn the tie for them and was a big reason as to why, you know, they they were able to kind of, like, get that game back because they were getting to the paint. And KCP, his one job, catch the ball, shoot it when you're open, and he was able to knock it down, as he has done this entire playoff run. So those guys hitting on face KCP, including myself, we were talking about how his two-year $60 million deal wasn't worth it, that he was a bad player before the season. He's showing that he is a good playoff performer. And although he's not, you know, third option material, He's been one of the most consistent guys, so you can't hate him on that. And what it really came down to is just AD and LeBron dominating. Most specifically AD, because I'm going to talk about this like maybe a bit later when the when I talk about the Heat, but the Heat have just had no answer. No answer whatsoever. Jay Crowder, cooked. Andre Godala, cooked. Um, Derek Jones Jr., they tried um, counteracting him with length, cooked. Everyone got cooked by Anthony Davis. Inside, outside, it did not matter. Anthony Davis was just an absolute monster. And he's honestly one of the biggest mismatches in the league. Like, if you have, like, one of those prototypical centers, Anthony Davis is just too fast. If you have one of those more athletic centers, it, a la Bam, or, like, in, it's, for example, if Daniel Tice was in the, in the finals, I mean, Anthony Davis is just too tall. Like, what do you do with this guy? He's just too good on both sides of the floor. Like, he, how can you stop him? How can you? And Bam is... The injury is definitely going to hurt him in, trying to harm Anthony, in, in, in terms of him trying to defend Anthony Davis. But even still, Anthony Davis is just too damn good of a basketball player to be trying to, like, throw different people at him. You need to have one guy get at him, and whether it's Bam or not, you have to kind of stick to it. But it's probably Bam because Bam is really the only guy in the Heat team to um, even match up with Anthony Davis. And... Anthony Davis was just able to dominate this entire game, and looked, and he definitely looked like, honestly, the best player on that Laker team. And that says a lot, being on a team with LeBron James. And a good thing about this game, too, is like even when the Heat stars started going down, um, the Lakers never took the, um, their foot off the gas pedal. They started kind of giving up the lead a bit in the, in the fourth quarter, but nonetheless, LeBron was like, hey, 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 guys. We are make, we're getting this way too close for what it should be right now. And the Lakers just turn it back on in and, and the fourth quarter to really seal this game. And they honestly just looked focused and, you know, um, composed. LeBron said, like, after the game that he's known finals defeat. He's He knows heartbreak in the finals. Losing to the Dallas Mavericks team, he um, – he mentioned specifically, and he said, like, we, we can't, you can never underestimate a team that makes it to the NBA Finals. You just can't. And he came out here, even after the game, he said, you guys stop celebrating. We're not going to celebrate until we win the championship. Like, he didn't say that specifically, but he was, like, giving that vibe, like, you guys are, like, cheer. You guys are being way too oversellers right now. We have, like, all that celebrating can be done, like, when we actually win this whole thing. He's just focused. The Lakers are focused. And... They look like, honestly, the much better team at this moment. Now, what did the Lakers do bad? Well, obviously, like I said, they gave up that fourth quarter lead a little bit. I think they got the Heat got down to 10. They really shouldn't be doing that, especially with a resilient team like the Miami Heat. And honestly, in the first quarter, Dwight Howard was getting cooked. It really didn't 
the game didn't really turn to tide until Anthony Davis went to the five, and they just went on that absolutely mad run and ended the first quarter like that because man, Dwight Howard was just too slow for these um, fast Miami Heat forwards and guards, and Bam was just taking complete control of him. <clears throat> and that's what would kind of got the Lakers into that big hole in the very first place. And LeBron, I mean, he didn't really have to in this game, but he didn't play to his full capabilities. But at the end of the day, Anthony Davis was so good that, I mean, probably, like I said, one of arguably one of LeBron's best teammates of all time. And he was just absolutely phenomenal in this game. So LeBron, I'm saying that he scored 25 points, 13 rebounds, 9 assists. Well, he didn't play to his full potential, but honestly, they didn't need him to. Oh, boy. Now let's talk about the Miami Heat. Um, let's start quickly what they did good. Um you know, they went up a little bit in the beginning of the game. That's a positive. Um, you know, Kendrick Nunn, like I said earlier, 18 points in 19 minutes. They need him to be um, good, especially if Drogic is out for an extended period of time. And when Bam was on the court, they were a plus three. You wouldn't be able to tell that because Bam was in foul trouble in the first half. But when he was on there, he was playing good. And that was the best chance the Heat had the entire game when Bam was on the court. And honestly, if there's one other thing to benefit from this is that they really can't get much worse than this, right? The Heat played absolutely horrible. Everything just didn't go their way whatsoever. It really can't get worse than this. Now let's talk about what they did bad because there's a lot of things they did bad here. Obviously, the in, um, they were just outplayed. They really were. Whether they, the injured guys didn't get injured or not, they were just completely outplayed in this game. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. The Lakers outworked them. They beat their zone. And the Heat just did not come with the same poise that we've seen them with the against the Boston Celtics. Another thing that they can't do, the zone is getting torn apart. They just can't. Anthony Davis has a different guy every time he comes down to court and he's cooking them. You need Bam Adebayo on him no matter what. If he's not playing, then GG. That's a win for the Lakers. But the only chance you have at even containing Anthony Davis is having Bam Adebayo on him. There's literally no other way that the Heat are going to win this game. And obviously they got outshot from three. I mean, we've seen them have some really hot shooting games in the past, but this time the Lakers got the best out of them in terms of the three-point shot. And like I said, the zone just didn't work. They tried switching a lot and stuff like that, but this ain't the Boston Celtics team. This is a team with two of the top five players in the league, one of them being the best player in the league in LeBron James. And that just doesn't work with them. You have to play them straight up, and you have to take them mono a mono. You can do that three, you know, that three-four rotation with LeBron, you know, putting Jay Crowder on him, playing Iggy on him, playing Jimmy Butler. Although I would like to see more Jimmy Butler on LeBron. But with AD, you have to keep Bam on him because everyone else is fried chicken. No one has a chance against Anthony Davis if you're anyone but Bam. And that's because, like I said, Anthony Davis, the biggest mess match in the entire league. And, you know, other things that they really didn't do well, the the rookies didn't deliver. They really couldn't get Duncan Robinson going. Tower Hero went 6 for 18 in this game, which is kind of rough, but there's still some, you know, little positives in that game. At least he was aggressive. And obviously the biggest thing was the injuries. And this, I'm going to kind of talk about it, like, going into the Game 2 preview, but this really changes the whole complexion of the series if these injuries are as bad as we think they are. Drogic with the plantar fasciitis. This is a very common injury in the bubble, actually, because Sabonis missed the entire playoffs with this. Um, TJ Warren got diagnosed with this. 
he played the playoffs, but um, he still had that injury. Now Goran Dragic, and by the looks of things, I mean, he could still put pressure on his foot, but at the same time, it's a pretty darn hard injury to come back from, especially if, like, going with these games every other day. It's going to be tough for him to, to, to see him come back. And if he is, he's going to be nowhere near 100%. And Jimmy Butler, just multiple times in this game, you saw it. He was he tweaked his ankle. He, he didn't look comfortable. And I was surprised that he finished out the second quarter. I thought they were just going to at least check it out. But he said he was fine. He's able to play through it. But it was, honestly, this game couldn't get much worse for the Miami Heat. And like I said, that's kind of a positive because, really, there's nowhere to go but up from here. But there's just so many things that the Lakers took advantage of. And with the when you're facing against a LeBron led team, you need to be absolutely perfect, especially if you're the underdog. You need to play a perfect game, and the Heat played far from it. And going into game two, I mean, there's a lot of people saying that this is going to be a very uneven series and stuff like that, and I'll get into that, into that later, but the Heat just looked far inferior. So that's it about game one. Let's get into this game two preview. And, we, and what are the keys to the game for both these teams? If you're the Lakers, you got to continue to dominate. Keep going into the paint, attacking with LeBron and AD. And if the if the Heat clog it up, the shooters just need to keep shooting. They played really well in that first half. They kind of tapered off in the second half, only hitting four more threes. But they played very well in that first half in terms of shooting the three ball. They're going to have to keep shooting because they, if they're shooting it at a decent clip, they're just going to be as dominant. At, like They're going to look like, honestly, an extremely dominant team. So they're Guys need to continue to hit threes. Obviously, play a four, full 48 minutes. They can't let the um, foot off the gas pedal. And, you know, like I said, just keep attacking the rim. Whether Bam is there or not, they just have to keep playing the way they're playing. And they have, you know, two of the um, – one of the best playmakers of all time, LeBron James. Um, another one of the best playmakers of all time in Rajon Rondo. A top five player in Anthony Davis. Just continue to do their thing from last game, and they're going to see results. Going for going forward. If you're the Miami Heat, you know, even though they killed you from the three-point line, especially in that first half last game, you see what happens in the second half. They're going to taper off. So if I'm the Heat, clog the paint, try to get everything done on the outside, make LeBron James a jump shooter, and test these um, Lakers role players. Okay, you killed us in the first game, but the law of averages state that you're going to get back to that average. And you're going to have to play, just play the percentages. See if the Lakers are going to beat you like that again. And if they do, you're going to have to live with it because you can't just keep letting Anthony Davis and LeBron just get inside whenever they want. So, yeah, just force things outside of your Miami. On the offensive end, continue to drive and kick. Um, play with a lot of, you know, passing and all that. And don't try to make a, just a one-man show with Jimmy Butler because he needs to do that a lot of last game. So, hopefully, he can just get more help scoring from other people on that team. Just play the way that they get against the Celtics. Like, it's a by committee. Whoever's has going that night, they're going to have to, um, you know, step up. And like I said before, the series as a preview, different guys can be the number one, can be the number one scoring option. And we need to see, like, more of those type of players going into the next game. If Bam is playing, you're going to have to put him on 80 no matter what, like I said. If it's not, it's a GG. He has to be on 80 no matter what. No one else has a chance, whether in terms of size or speed. No one on the Heat has a chance besides Bam. And even though he's not 100%, the 75% Bam guarding Anthony Davis is better than anyone else on that roster. So 
keep Bam Adebayo on Anthony Davis. And like I said, don't double Braun. He wants to make the pass, and he has one of the and he has some of the best vision in the league. Make him a jump shooter. This feels like something we should tell we tell teams all the time when facing LeBron teams. But make him a jump shooter. If he beats you, hitting mid range jumpers and threes, so be it. He is he that's definitely in his arsenal. But again, player percentages. And again, Drogic is injured. They're gonna have to play through these injuries. None has to find his regular season for. He was an all-rookie first-team member. He was a top three in Rookie of the Year voting. He, we need to see more of that Kendrick Nunn going into game two because he's going be, to be needed to play more minutes. And without Drogic, most likely, they're going to need some production from the, from the guard position. So we've seen that him, he could do in the regular season. Let's hope that he could do it come game two because his number is definitely going to be called upon. But just an overall outlook of the series, the Miami Heat look outmatched, truly and honestly. The Lakers look too good. The Heat are depleted. And even with a healthy roster, the Lakers look like they still outmatched them. I know it sit in seven games, but when you like see just the nature of the game, that injuries do happen and all that, and just the way this like the game of basketball is, when you have two of the five best players in the series, it's going to be hard to beat that team. And if your guys are not playing like to their full capability, it's going to be tough. And the Lakers, obviously, I don't think it's going to be a, a blowout every game. But at the same time, it just, it just looks absolutely rough for this Miami Heat team. And I want to speak to those fans who were kind of, after the injuries of the Heat and stuff, we're talking about how they're trying to diminish the Lakers championship. Let's just get rid of that narrative. I was, part of, I was a fan of a Raptors team that beat Golden State without a KD, without a... Um, a, a, full, a fully healthy Clay Thompson. The, the Lakers have to deal with, or have to face whoever's in front of them with the T team who looks depleted. The Golden State Warriors had to beat a Cavs team that was depleted. Everyone needs a little luck when going to the championship. And that's just the way basketball is. When you go this far into the season, players get injured, and that's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. And whatever happens, like, how, if the Lakers win, if the Heat win, especially I'm talking about if the Lakers win in this series, which it looks like it's going to be. This championship means just as much as any other championship in NBA history. They had to fight all the way here. They had to join this bubble on on a short notice, and they're able to play their butts off. They were the best team throughout the entire season, and you can't take that away from them. No matter what, this championship means just as much as the other championship. And this segues into my next topic beautifully because – Scotty Pippen had a lot to say in terms of the bubble and about this championship series over the weekend. He had two comments which really raised a lot of eyebrows for some folks. The first one being basically saying that LeBron James still hasn't proved to be a leader and that he would want to see him, you know, lead a team without, you know, an Anthony Davis caliber player or something like that. And then he followed that up a few days later saying that you know, the bubble isn't real basketball. There's no fans. There's no travel. This isn't, like, true NBA basketball. And, oh, boy, I do have my thoughts on this. Um, like I said, this is basketball in its purest form. No fans all playing the same gym. This is AAU basketball. This is basketball you played all throughout as a kid. This is the purest form of basketball. I don't know what the heck Scotty Pippen is talking about here. And the funny thing is, like, People have been bringing up this quote from Michael Jordan the past few days because Scotty said those comments. Literally, Jordan said at the like 
the the purest form of basketball he's played or the best basketball he he has played was in those empty gyms um, during the USA basketball practice when when there's no fans or anything. Those are the best games he's ever played. So what's the issue here? Like, this is honestly the purest form of basketball. This is where we tell who is the best team. Sure, guys um, play better with fans and stuff, but that's an advantage. Home court advantage, that's why it's called home court advantage. This is an even playing field. I just don't understand what he means. Like, sure, this is not real NBA basketball, but this is the purest form of basketball. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. And the fact that he just followed the comments of LeBron saying, like, oh, he hasn't done it as the main guy yet, like, just gives just gives off this energy that he doesn't think that, you know, LeBron is obviously not the best of all time, but this is just a way to kind of kind of try to bury LeBron in this championship, which I just um, noted earlier, you know. This championship means just as much as other championships. And people like Scottie Pippen, people like the media, are going to continue to devalue it and stuff like that. And I just think that's just not the case. Every championship means the same. They had to work their butts off to get into that point. And that doesn't change whether it's in the bubble or not. The Lakers were the best team throughout. And with, when they, if they win this, that means they were the better team. And it's fully deserved. No offense or buts about it. And I just want to I just say that because Scottie Pippen made those stupid comments, and I, I call complete BS on that. He, if real ballers know that the best games played are those when there's no fans and you're just playing, you know, with your guys, with the best talent in the world, especially here in the NBA, with the, in these type of conditions. I don't know what that Scottie Pippen talking about, but that really did irk me. So, yeah, that's all my stuff from the finals. Leave your thoughts below who you think is going to win game two and. For those picking the Heat, and there's a lot of people who are picking the Heat, has your opinion changed? Mine has kind of changed, but at the same time, you know, it's just one game. Hopefully, the Heat can take something away from this, you know. Being being down 1-0, being humiliated like that in game one could be something very humbling, like a humbling experience. So, let's see if they're going to be able to bounce back from that. We're going to go into the final topic of the show. And, man, like I said, this week for NBA basketball has been absolutely crazy. Not only did we have the NBA Finals action going on, we had a whole damn saga. Doc Rivers, a whole round after being eliminated by the Denver Nuggets, was was finally fired by the Los Angeles Clippers. After seven years with the team, never making out in the second round, blowing two 3-1 series leads. Sure, he was the best coach in Clipper history, but with the two teams he had, you know, with the Lob City Clippers, now with the Kawhi and Paul George like Clippers, it seems kind of like a disappointing tenure, to be completely honest. Like I said, disappointing way to end the season, giving up a 3-1 lead. That game seven was absolutely ugly from the Los Angeles Clippers. We don't have to go into that. We already we already discussed how bad they played. You know, a lot of reports are coming out like as to why this was happening. Apparently, management was kind of mad at Doc Rivers for kind of sticking with Montrezl Harrell when he wasn't playing like himself, and they believed that Zubac was playing better. That kind of had to do with the decision, his rotation kind of decisions. Um, Steve Ballmer was apparently adamant to fire him, even though he kind of talked to Paul George, talked to Kawhi. He said he wasn't going to listen to anyone else in the organization. This was strictly a Steve Ballmer decision. And apparently they left on good terms as well, so it wasn't like any screaming, any like sort of drama. They left on good terms. They even let... Doc announced on his Instagram more than anything. So it was a 
very much mutual departure. Like I said, this was years of build-up, seven years with the team, two finals-worthy teams in the Lopsy Clippers, and, of course, this year's iteration of the Clippers. And he hasn't just been able to get it done. And the Clippers believe that, you know, he has the talent. He, he gave him the talent all these years and, and nothing really to show for it. Two second-round exits. What's funny about this is, like, I remember back in the day, like a few years ago, um, Doc Rivers was the GM of the Clippers along as being the coach. And because of his GM decisions, Steve Ballmer relieved him of his duties there, gave it to Lawrence Frank. Now this is technically the second time being fired from the same organization as well, which is unfortunate, but like I said, after years of, of disappointing in the playoffs, someone had to be the fall guy for this epic collapse. And you're not going to trade away Kawhi or Paul George. It always seems like the coach is going to be the fall guy in terms of this type of decisions. I think the reason they kind of fired Doc now is they're probably going to, they're probably looking at that Nuggets Lakers series and thinking, let's see if the Nuggets are actually legit or did we just completely choke that away? Because they're probably looking at like, maybe the Nuggets, maybe this is their season, maybe it's just like kind of an anomaly. But nope, they lost in five. The Lakers figured them out. And the Clippers probably looked themselves in the mirror like, this is something from within. This is definitely something within. And we need to kind of have someone to kind of sacrifice for like having such a bad season. Not, and unfortunately, Doc Rivers is a fall guy. But like I said, seven years, nothing to show for it. He was obviously the easy decision. I was talking about it in the past podcast, how I believe that Doc is going to be a Hall of Fame coach, no question about it, but I don't put him in that elite tier of coaching. When you have the type of talent that he's had over the last seven years with this corporate organization, you expect to be at least in the finals a couple of times, and he just hasn't been able to do so. So, unfortunate that he was that it had to go down like this, but it definitely made sense. You know, in terms of, like, them – getting a new coach. I really do believe with the way the team is constructed that they cannot go outside the organization. I think there's a lot of internal problems that they have there. And by bringing someone who's outside the organization into this mess of a team, like there's obviously some like chemistry issues throughout the season. And from the looks of things, there was kind of some internal problems, especially with the Paul George, you know, hurrah speech after they got eliminated saying that we should run this back. There's kind of some tension there. So if you're going to bring, if you're going to hire a new coach, it's probably going to have to be one of the assistants who's seen firsthand what has happened in this or in, in this locker room and try to fix it going from there. So the main targets, obviously, being Tyron Liu, Sam Cassell's team might be obvious options. And it honestly feels like Tyron Liu, championship pedigree, is known to be a player's coach. I think maybe his type of philosophy, his type of coaching may resonate better with the players. And with a full year under the belt as a team, chemistry should not be an issue now. They've gone through the struggles. If they're not able to get it done next year, it's going to be highly disappointing. So it does feel like that Tyron Lue is the next best option. And like I said, bringing someone over from from a different organization into this mess of a team, I don't think is 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 a wise decision. So going from within probably is the right move. Especially they need to get the season right because Kawhi is a player option after next season. So he can choose to leave, funnily enough, in that ridiculous 2021 free agency class. So they're going to have to figure this out. Them moving into a new stadium as well, I believe in, I'm not sure if it's 2021 or 2022. You want to have a good team. You want them to have some, like, to have the fans, you know, cheering for this, like, very, like, well-put championship contending team. And they have to make some noise next season or else 
you know, a lot to change after next year. So they're going to have to see about that because they mortgaged everything. They're all betting on this era of the Clippers to bring them something. And hopefully Rue's the right guy. Cassell's the right guy. But you just got to honestly choose from one of them. You you just can't bring anyone new, like, from, like, a different coaching staff or something. Stick with Ty Lue, and hopefully he can look at Doc Rivers' mistakes and try to repair some of those. Funnily enough, though, for Doc Rivers, it didn't take him any time to find a new job because cause yesterday, Doc Rivers was just hired by the Philadelphia 76ers. If you remember my last episode, or the episode before that, I was talking about how it felt like Mike D'Antoni was the leader in this. He had one interview with them. He would have to royally F up if he was going to not get the job. But once Doc Rivers came in on market, the 76ers were like, I mean, he is a championship-winning coach. Let's bring him in. And from all reports, they were desperate, and I mean desperate to get him. And him and Elton Brand hit it off in a couple of phone calls, and he signed a five-year deal. Obviously, he's a respected voice. Definitely was under-delivered with the um, LA Clippers. But he is someone, you know, who demands effort, who is a hard-nosed coach, who wants to get the best out of his players. And honestly, if there's any player that should be happy about this um, new coaching change, it's going to be Joel Embiid. Because, as I talked about two episodes ago, having Mike D'Antoni lead that team, it really felt like they were going to move off Embiid. But I still believe that the Clippers, sorry, that the 76ers believe that they can make this Simmons and Embiid thing work. And Doc Rivers will try and make that work. I think he's mentioned in the past his, um, how he was enamored by Embiid and the way he played. So he definitely wants to have him on the roster. And Embiid is probably thinking, okay, this guy, I respect him. He's won a championship before and stuff like that. So he, I'll, I'll listen to him. And that's all you really want. I mean, you just have your players buy into the, to a coach. And Doc Rivers is one of the most effective guys out there. So I think it's a good pickup. And that doesn't mean moves are going to be made. I mean, Doc Rivers is, is like I said, a well-respected voice. He'll probably have some say into what type of moves that he wants his team to be going forward. So although this um, kind of sucked for him losing the Clippers job, he definitely picked it up with a talented roster. Whether they're championship worthy or not, we're going to have to see next year. If you've seen my post a couple of days ago, because I, I, I posted some of my preseason predictions, I thought that this team was a championship-worthy team. They were nowhere close to that this season. And hopefully a respected voice like Doc Rivers is able to turn the tie for them. So congrats to Doc Rivers again the job. Let's see if he's going to be able to fulfill the process. And I think this is where we're going to end today's video. Before we end this, obviously, the presidential election is coming up. If anyone has seen the mess of that debate a few days ago, that meme-worthy debate, you know that it's definitely rough over there and stuff like that. And that just means that your vote means more than ever. So remember to keep voting. I'm going to have a link to voting registration in my link tree. So please check that out. Again, I'm not in the U.S., but I, but I know how important this is, not only for the U.S., but for the rest of the world. So remember to leave a vote. Your votes matter. And, yeah, like I said, there's although great NBA basketball is going on, there's still some major things we have to address in terms of the political climate, social justice, and all that. So remember to keep um, pressuring politicians to create change and remember that your voice matters. So 
with the upcoming election coming up, remember to vote. And I think this is where we're going to end today's episode. Thank you guys for watching, Shalas, listening. Remember, if you're on YouTube, to like, share, and subscribe. If you're on any of the podcast networks, show your love there. And remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This was a really fun episode to record, and I will be back on Monday to recap those two, game two and game three, and also, you know, just talk about any other news that comes up throughout the weekend. So that's going to be very exciting. And, yeah, thank you guys for taking out every day to watch this, and I will see you guys on Monday. TV signing out. Have a great day, y'all. Peace.